Hello, Annabelle. Hello. What have you been watching this week? So this week, I haven't really been watching anything um, in the on on Netflix or a series. Instead, I while I was doing research and you know trying to educate myself over the last couple of weeks in light of what's been happening i found a poet who i hadn't heard of before and i feel like i should have um heard of her and uh, her name is maya angelou um and i don't know if you've heard of her annabelle yeah i'm a big fan of maya angelou oh, so i i i didn't i, I can't didn't believe you've never heard of her i never heard of her i've heard of her I discovered her and fell into a hole of watching all her YouTube videos. My two favorite ones, um, and probably I think also her best known ones were Still I Rise and The Mask. And her recording of The Mask is so emotional that I got really teary-eyed. It's a beautiful poem. She was an amazing lady. She was born in 1928 in the US and died in 2014. And during her lifetime, she was a poet, a singer, a civil rights activist. She published many books, uh, autobiographies, essays, poetry. And she also contributed to a lot of plays, movies and television shows. And so I might be the only person who didn't know of her. But for anyone else who doesn't and wants to listen to some of her work you can find lots of youtube videos on on youtube of her different poems and like i said my top two that i listened to were still i rise and the mask her autobiography is also on i think it's on bbc sounds at the moment and um, it was read like dramatically read on uh, radio 4 i don't know if it's her that's reading it I'm not 100% sure, but I know that from, I mean, from videos that I've watched, she does have the most beautiful voice and it's oh. just, yeah, very, very emotive. It adds so much to the, the poems as well. Like the way she, she reads them are just, oh, I, I, I can hardly explain it. Like from on one hand, she's so, like she's saying one thing and then suddenly she'll just cut and, and, and will say it in a different way and will play with her voice. Yeah. So while she's reading her poems and I yeah I, I'm definitely going to check out that you were in trance no I was I really was um so BBC Sounds her autobiography I will yeah. Um, yeah. Have look at that because I yeah I'm a huge fan and would recommend it to anyone who doesn't already know her what about you so this week I've been kind of watching a very eclectic mix of things but um I wanted to pick up on one thing and um, so I know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how Cannes Film Festival has gone online um, along with various other film festivals Berlin Film Festival Venice um, Toronto and I watched a short film called Blood Rider on the um, We Are One YouTube channel which is directed by John Casby um, it was this beautiful short film all about um it's kind of like a sort of like a semi-documentary I would say but very very dramatic and, and cinematic and it's about a motorbike rider in Lagos in Nigeria called David um, because basically at the moment in in Lagos there's a shortage of of blood in hospitals and so motorbike riders such as David uh have to transport blood 
uh, if and when it's needed to certain hospitals. And I think David specifically works with labour wards and things like that. So it's, it's kind of the story that is being told is specifically about a couple who are having, having a baby. And so it's about his journey to try and get the blood there in time while um, the woman is, is giving birth. It's really sort of heightened, like you're so invested right from the start um, because it is sort of a, showing a case of life and death. But yeah, I mean, I, I never knew that this was such an issue in, in Lagos. And I don't know if it's more widespread throughout Nigeria as well. But yeah, I mean, it's about 17 minutes long and it's just so packed full of such an interesting and important story. Um, so I really recommend to give it a watch. Um, and it's, it's, on, it's just on the YouTube channel. So it's such a weird like notion to have to be able to watch can nominated <laughs> short films it's just mental i mean maybe i haven't i could have w watched stuff like this before but it's just like it's literally all in front of you on the youtube page and it is like i feel like a child in a sweet shop i'm just like oh my goodness did you say that it's um did you say it was a documentary or is it a fictional scenario i'm pretty sure it's it's real life situations but i don't know if it's in the documentary category i thought it was a doc i could be wrong i think it's sort of just under short film um, but yeah, definitely give it a watch. Definitely. And thanks for bringing up the um, We Are One Film Festival again. I had it in, written in my diary, actually, but I haven't revisited it since we spoke about it. So I'm definitely going to check it out. So this week, just with everything that has been happening in the US and what has kind of really been pushed forward as a very crucial, well, which has always been a crucial issue but has kind of come to the forefront especially in the media with the um, murder of George Floyd and um, this week we wanted to try and discuss issues of Black Lives Matter um, and just try and make the episode more diverse in terms of the stories that we're we're looking at so this week we're exclusively sort of going to be looking at stories and films told by black American creatives who are kind of tackling uh, the issues of police violence and the history of the oppression of black people in the US and also around the world. So this week we are going to be talking about 13th which is directed by Ava DuVernay. Then we're going to have a little bit of film news and just chat about the role that film has in the Black Lives Matter movement, how film is sort of being used as a tool and its consequences that it can have being so widespread. And then we're going to move on to talk about See You Yesterday, which is directed by Stefan Bristol. And yeah, and then we're going to finish up with our with our recommendations for the week. So Over to you. The first film that we're going to be discussing, as Annabelle mentioned, is 13th, which is a documentary made by Ava DuVernay, who also directed the film Selma and the recent series When They See You. And the, the film explores the history of racial inequality in the US uh, with, a, with the main focus on the nation's prison population and how the prisons are disproportionately filled with African-Americans. And it starts telling us that 25% of, of people in the world who are in prison are in the US, even though the US makes up 5% of the world's population. 
it, it kind of then takes a look back in history and shows you that in the um, 1970s, the prison population was around 200,000. And since then, it has gone up to 2 million. And the reason that it's called 13th is it because it leans on the 13th Amendment, which basically means that people who are incarcerated and who are in prison can basically work as slaves, meaning that they work for free. And as I said, the, the film takes you through the history in the US. So it touches on Jim Crow and it goes on to talk about the civil rights movement, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It looks at how Nixon and Reagan, how they have affected the civil rights movement with their declaration on the war on drugs and how that affected the African-American population. After the documentary, there's also a great follow-up conversation between Ava DuVernay and Oprah Winfrey, where Ava DuVernay can really kind of explain where her thought process came from and how it was a two-year process of, you know, she had this idea of talking about the, the prison population and how disproportionate it was. And then it just became this journey of actually we have to look back at our history to really understand how we got here today. Um, and I think that this was really well done in the film because of how we got to where we are today and educated me in so many ways. I don't know if I would have come across the whole picture as clearly as I did while watching this film. But yeah, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I definitely agree just what with you've just said, like the amount of information and how meticulous the documentary was I mean was just incredible and how concise it was and watching um, Ava DuVernay's conversation with Oprah she sort of makes it evident that she gave herself a uh, hundred minutes as a limit to do this documentary and considering how it's conveyed to the viewer it's so clear that you know the message is is hammered home and the fact that that's achieved in a hundred minutes is i mean for for documentaries is just insane like it's just so good and it really punches the message home you know that says this is a huge problem there are so many caveats to it you know you she really goes behind um the industrial prison complex and looks at sort of all the the companies that have a a share in the privatization of of prisons and also the the privatization of things like parole and you know how so many systems politicians you know how how they have just stocked up the fire of of white supremacy in order to keep this sort of system going and to keep black people and and people of color sort of at the bottom of of the pecking order and in turn to make to make money off their off their suffering and off their oppression initially starting to watch the documentary i kind of thought you know there's going to be one side to this like it's you know what is right 
I mean, this is coming from me as a middle-class white woman as well, which, um, you know, I have my own sort of view from my white perspective. But at the same time, I was like, I, I didn't think that this would be sort of a uh, looking at both sides. Whereas Duvernay, she talks about that in the... Um, in the conversation with Oprah, she said, I was genuinely curious to see, you know, the, the sides of the uh, Republican politicians who had um, supported the war on drugs, who had supported the uh, sort of tough on crime, sort of manifestos almost, to that that resulted in a hugely disproportionate amount of African-Americans, of, of black people, of people of color ending up in jail or being put in jail rather. And she talks to two people who were effectively now being seen as, as the enemy, inverted commas, with that. But she has the perspective of civil rights activists such as Angela Davis. And that's compared with talking with a staunch Republican who has such different views when I f finished watching the, the documentary, it doesn't let you off the hook. It's like, this is a problem now. You know, we are all complicit if, if we are white and it's systems that we all buy into. Like, it, it does not let you off the hook. But at the same time, Duvernay is extremely sort of level-handed with the people that she talks to and, and the, kind of, the kind of conversation that is, in the end, put into the film. I thought was just incredible it's just it's one of the best documentaries I've seen it's so good and so powerful and so important yeah I completely agree and what I found really interesting or I found quite shocking and um which really hit it home for me was the fact that this documentary was released yeah. in 2016 and this documentary could have come out yesterday and over the last four years, nothing has changed. She kind of attacks it from all sides, doesn't she? Like yeah. she has white politicians, she has uh, activists who were previously incarcerated, she has civil rights activists, she has black academics. I mean, it, it just covers every angle. It really shows you how deep rooted it is in our society. And yeah. as a white woman, thinking that I was educated to an extent, but then after watching this, realizing that I was not. Um, yeah, I have that I definitely, yeah. Um, and this, I found was a, a good start to, to really understanding how much I have to learn about the situation. And also, like you said, the people that she interviews, I actually looked a lot of them up afterwards to then see what, what they'd written or what their what other things that they've been a part of and one person uh, who i really liked listening to in the documentary was malika cyril who is a, a activist and um also a poet and at the at the end of the the documentary she's kind of summing up her thoughts on the situation and on the the black lives matter movement and she says when Black Lives Matter, all lives matter because everybody is 
made to feel as important as everybody else and that this change that has to happen in the US is that everybody has the right to human dignity and mutual respect. I thought that was quite a powerful statement that she made. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, even going back through the the US's history, and I'm not saying that the UK is exempt from this in the slightest, but it's it's very specific towards the US's history of, of racism and um and systematic racism and oppression. Just in terms of the, the breadth of history and how deep rooted this systematic racism is, how many levels in society it has permeated, how like how it's in the news, how it's in films such as Birth Birth of a Nation, Nation, how that has affected the American psyche towards black people and people of colour, specifically black men, how that is so deep rooted and you know how much people have to get that out of themselves in order for this system to be to be broken and then something else to be rebuilt so that you know every black life matters so that every life matters because at the moment that is just not the case especially I mean with what we've seen in the last week or so uh with all the protests coming to a head but yeah I, I definitely agree that not only is the film hugely important to watch um it also gives you such a good starting point for so much research and yeah i mean i definitely having seen that i had so many pages just of of things that i didn't necessarily understand or like you were saying things that i thought that i was educated on and um i'm not and there is a, a lot more work to be done so yeah hugely important documentary i completely agree if you want to educate yourself in uh, the medium of film then this would be a great documentary to start with i think i think at the moment it's fantastic that a lot of resources are being shared if you're wanting to start with a film or i think especially in, in looking at the sort of more political side of how all of these structures are so ingrained in America's society and also in the UK society this gives you such a good starting point with you know academics whose books you can read with politicians you can research activists you can research I mean and, and also just just the history the different sort of points that, that DuVernay picks up on there's there's so much to to unpick because yeah I think myself included starting from from the modern day and it's sort of researching from now trying to educate myself when actually as DuVernay says it's like no you you have to go back in like a long way back to see how deep this issue is and to try and try and understand that yeah I could, exactly yeah. like they're, they're like she said that there is a reason that we are in the situation that we are in right now like there is a reason yeah. for it and it, it is very clear to see where it's come from. You, you just have to look back in history and then try and unpick it and try and understand, okay, we, we, we've seen this, how can, what can we do? How can we move forward? How can we 
you know and that's why i just think you know education in this matter is 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 essential definitely and i mean duvernay's provided such a an amazing resource to um to start with what would you give it out of five i would give it a five out of five as far as documentaries go i i think that this took on so many angles with still staying very true to what it was what it had what it set out to do but also you know as a documentary goes and as even Duvernay says you know with a documentary you start out with a point that you want that you a story that you want to tell and then it takes you on a path and it takes you on a journey and your story grows throughout that and I think you can see both those things the point that she initially wanted to convey comes across in this journey that you can sense that then she found a lot of different points that actually that was a really important subject for our history and that we have to take into this documentary as well to understand how we got here today. I really left it feeling like I had learnt something and it set me on a path to want to learn more and, and engage more with what she'd done, which is, I think, a goal of documentaries or should be a goal of documentaries to to get that feeling in out of you definitely what about you um yeah i i think i uh, have to agree with you there i would give it a five out of five yeah i think you know after after sort of looking at this huge history that is so complex and yet very simple at the same time in terms of how blindingly obvious this systematic racism has been and it's all very well you know I was sitting there sort of thinking well yeah this is all very well you know and then you get to the end and you see footage of men in America being black men being killed in the last few years and an actual you know film clips of them struggling or them having been shot you know, you see Eric Garner and Philandro Castile dying. The documentary leaves you feeling like the wind's been taken out of you. It makes you feel like you have to go and do something. You know, it does not let you off the hook. It's like, this is an issue, do something about it. Yeah, and I think to leave you, to sort of give you so many resources and so many um conversations and um voices to give such a, a rich sort of picture of this history in America and then to bring it into present day so succinctly and sort of basically hand you the truth and say this is what is happening, what are you going to do about it is hugely powerful and I mean, yeah, it's it's packs so much information in and is so well curated. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hugely, hugely powerful. Film news? News. Film news. So I just wanted to start off this week uh, for our film news. Steve McQueen has dedicated two of his Cannes-nominated films, um, Mangrove and Lovers Rock, to George Floyd 
So McQueen announced, I dedicate these films to George Floyd and all the other black people that have been murdered, seen or unseen because of who they are in the US, UK and elsewhere. He also then went on to quote uh, Bob Marley um, saying, if you are the big tree, we are the small axe, Black Lives Matter. I actually had to look up the the meaning of it because I didn't sort of, I, I think taken out of the context of the song, if you don't know the song, I, 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 I don't know Bob Marley's music very well. The small axe is, is, although it's small, it's sharp and it is perfectly capable of, of taking down the, the big tree. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a metaphor that, that everyone can sort of understand right now with everything that's going on. I mean, I don't know if these Cannes films are going to be on the We Are One, the We Are One YouTube channel, um, because I would, I mean, I'd, I'd love to watch them. They're sort of two tales of the Windrush generation in the UK. And so it's sort of a period, period film, um, which is also a drama about people coming over from the, the Caribbean to live in the UK. Um, and the story of their their lives. I hope they are on the We Are One um, YouTube channel. That would be great if they were. Yeah, they'd be more accessible for for us all, for everyone to watch. Yeah, I thought we could also have a brief chat just about the um, coming back to the the Black Lives Matter movement, just about how film is being used as a tool i mean not necessarily film but sort of filming on on iphones or you know on on phones in general and, and sort of how that's being used specifically in this movement sort of as the tool of power a tool of evidence one of the interviewees in 13th towards the end of the documentary made a great statement you know saying that throughout history the african-american community and, and the people who were fighting for equal rights and the civil rights movement they used the media that was at, at their disposal for the time for instance when you know there were some uh, people who'd been slaves who then wrote wrote books um and then it moved on to using the radio moved on to using television, uh, newspapers. And in the documentary, he just holds up his phone. He says, you know, this is our medium that we can put our voice out there. You know, we've got the internet, we've got smartphones, we can film things, we can upload things, we can get information. We, there are no excuses when when it comes to finding the information and 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 educating ourselves and 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 we have a voice they have a voice and they have the power to put things into the conversation and before we had smartphones and before we had technology that we could use to film things so quickly who knows how, how many people would have might have gone through something similar to what George Floyd went through and it never would have been seen it never would have been documented and with the use of smartphones and with the use of being able to film things ourselves and put it out there like you said it gives it gives 
a power that people didn't have before to really say look at what's happening watch what is happening this it's right in front of you um this isn't just mm -hmm. gone through some through the newspapers through the through the media through the tvs this is directly from people everyday people on the street filming uh, as it happens which is quite an exciting step i think going back to to steve mcqueen's words people who have been murdered seen or unseen there's very much i think now with that right to to film these kind of things are being seen now but then does that pose other problems in that if we looked at things that were sort of happening uh, on social media a lot of uh, black people online were saying please stop sharing these clips of of George Floyd because you know it, it brings up I mean already it is something so horrific and then it's being seen over and over and over again the more shares it has I mean, there were a few people in the in thirteenth who argued that these kind of things have to be shared because there is that shock factor. But and ultimately, will that sort of shock factor incite, you know, this this call to arms? This, you know, people get up and and get active. I mean, when I say people, I mean white people and sort of I mean white people as as well as black people but I think it can be a tool to show the reality that white people just do not face and so does it have to be you know is, is the inequality so extreme that it has to be seen this kind of horrific thing has to be seen through through a phone and that evidence has to be there ultimately it is again it's it's the sort of the murder of, of a of a of a person and it's you know being endlessly shared online it is like i don't know should should that kind of thing be shown in order for people to to feel like they have to do something like that i know that things shouldn't be all the sort of nuances shouldn't be removed from something like this but at the same time people are watching someone die in a film clip and it's like that has this, that is the stage that we have reached to act to do to change something and that in itself is just i mean it's it's terrifying but then it also conveys the the gravity of how blind we all are to to black people's experiences and the police brutality that they face everywhere. I agree. No, but you're right. I mean, it's just the fact that shocking things like that often do make waves, but the fact that... At, at what price? Yeah, that you had to watch... people's trauma being, you know, regurgitated. minutes. You know, this man being killed for nine minutes. And that, you know, that's what, what is leading to change, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, if, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's difficult yeah. to find the words for yeah, it, isn't it? It's difficult to find the words, it's difficult to find the words. So 
moving forward to see you yesterday, um, which is directed by Stefan Bristol and co-written by Bristol and um, writer Frederica Bailey and produced by Spike Lee, um, the, the man, the myth, the legend that is Spike Lee. So just for a little synopsis, which does contain some spoilers, just as a warning. So the film starts with CJ and Sebastian, best friends and high achieving nerds who break for the summer holidays. Um, and they're looking forward to time to work on their ultimate science project, being able to cut through the space time continuum, uh, i.e. go back in time. So after a few failed tries, this project is eventually becomes a success, much to the pair's happiness and awe, yet it becomes much more significant in helping them achieve good college scholarships. When CJ's brother Calvin is killed by the police, CJ and Sebastian go back in time to try and save him, but their attempt to change the course of history has consequences that neither of them could foresee. What did you think of the film? I, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was really well made, and I thought that it was very clever how it brought the the subject of young people being stopped and searched being harassed by the police and mixed it with the subject of time travel and uh, at the very beginning uh, when the cj and sebastian are at school there you have a little cameo by um michael j fox and uh yeah. which i there was okay. like a reference to back to the future and it was kind of like this like a, a new back to the future and i also thought the way it was filmed with this you know very important and heavy topic such as uh young black children really um being harassed and killed by police mixed with the, the prospect of time travel and the prospect of hope made it, I, what I find very accessible to a younger audience in understanding the goings on right now and what's happening right now um, with the protests, with what happened to George Floyd, I think could be quite a difficult time for, for a lot of young people to process what's happening. Um, and I mm -hmm. feel like this film with that twist of the magical and the time travel gave it accessibility, which I think for instance, 13th wouldn't have for a younger audience. I think that a, yeah. a child or a, a young teenager watching 13th might not be able to process the information that they're given, but this film shows it in a light that I think everybody would be able to understand um, and I think that this kind of education that we were just talking about starts from a very should start from a very young age and I think this film uh, does that I, I did really enjoy it and I, I thought even though it was very had very serious topics there was some comic relief to it as well yeah I, I, I really enjoyed it I thought it was good what about you I have to say it took me it took me sort of like a, a couple of watches I don't really know why um I don't know if I just didn't quite like get into the the groove of it first time round. but I think I have to con confess I have not seen Back to the Future and I'm not like a sort of 
the most educated on the sci-fi genre, but re researching uh, Stefan Bristol, who who wrote and co-wrote and directed the film, he sort of described the film as if it was sort of Back to the Future, but with black protagonists. And I mean, a lot of the cast is black and it's very much located within a, a black community in Flatbush in, in Brooklyn, in New York. And so I, I was doing this research and there, there is not, I mean, there's not really any black voices kind of in the sci-fi genre that I could see in this sort of, in sort of kids films. I mean, I know um, Ava DuVernay directed the film A Wrinkle in Time quite recently, which is sort of going into that genre as well. Um, but I mean, in, in terms of uh, that sort of diversity in, in the genre, it's, it's really not, I mean, it's, it's, there, there isn't very much uh, at all. I completely agree because uh, it's such it's an interesting point because you, you don't very often see two young black protagonists uh, and on top of that who are science geeks who want to yeah. uh, who who want to you know build this huge time machine you know it's it's not really something that you that I've seen before I think it was very refreshing to see this new genre yeah like this this new this new representation and in, in the genre but at the same time you know it, it is a it is a kids film or, or a young adults film and ultimately it's there's sort of this childlike awe about the science i think the script really has such fantastic characterization in that you you get uh such a sense of the the character i mean it also hats off to the acting as well like you get this like childlike awe of of just a love of science and you know everything that can happen with it and and the joy that they have when they they do succeed going back in time but i mean ultimately being black kids in america they do not have sort of the luxury of that like child's childlike innocence really in in it just being pure joy because ultimately it has to be used to try and change their reality um the the reality of the murder of of black people in in america and you know the the reality of of grief that so many communities go through when when someone has been killed um so there they there's this balance of sort of childhood and then balanced with this this social reality and this huge sadness and loss of that that black communities go through so often um and i think that that balance was sort of walked really well in that it conveys the gravity of the situation but it is ultimately accessible for 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 a younger audience yeah i think it, it really treads that that line really well I imagine was so difficult to to um to try and achieve I, I really enjoyed the film it was really good I also one thing without wanting to give too much away or too many more spoilers the way that the film ends and, and the way that it was written you leave it with hope in a way and um I think which I thought was a really nice way to end the film with yeah hope that 
that it is possible to change something and yeah and I thought that was a good metaphor for a younger audience as well yeah but I was I was admittedly like the the only kind of qualm that I have with the film was that I was quite also quite frustrated by the ending because it is kind of left it's left on a cliffhanger um in that uh Claudette the um the main character is is going back in time again to try and sort of fix things and you don't know what the outcome of, of this time will be I almost felt like that was sort of an easy way out in a way, plot wise. But then, I mean, also I, I didn't really think about this sort of element of hope, which I guess you are you're right about that. I mean, it could be an easy way out, but it's it's also sort of leaving the, the page blank as it were. I, I did also have the feeling that maybe it was just quite an, an easy way to end the film. We're on this cliff on a cliffhanger. However, I I think it gave the film towards the end a uh, a lighter ending yeah. than it would have otherwise been and I think when you're trying to engage with a younger audience who might find it quite difficult to really understand what's going on in the world that it kind of gives them the hope that 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 Claudette was, is able to go back and change something and then it's up to the the, the, the person watching to be like okay I'm going to make the ending in my mind that's how I I left it feeling like okay it's even me with the 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 power to to make the ending and to you know to 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 get the ending that I want out of it as a young person a young child watching that or a young teenager I would feel this power to be like yes we can like, there can be change I'm gonna make it happen what would you give it what would you rate it I would give it a four out of five just because I I really enjoyed watching it I felt like you indulge in this like the nerdiness of of CJ and Sebastian. You you very much like share their I don't know their their excitement in in their work, their discovery, how clever they are, and then I think the loss of innocence sort of hits you even even more with the kind of reality that they're faced with. Yeah, I, I just think like the tone of the film really captures that so well and and treads that line so poignantly but ultimately I, I did I just felt a little bit disappointed by by the ending but I mean yeah at the same time I can definitely see that there is there is that room for hope but it personally it just left left me feeling a little bit at a loss what about you what would you give it I think that I would also give it a four out of five I mm -hmm. thoroughly enjoyed it and and like you said, like you know, like you get really excited by their by them like figuring out how they're gonna fix their time machine. But also like, is this the is this what kids do nowadays? They have VR goggles and they're like, you know, this is not like a science project I did when I was at bloody school. Like my little my little paper mache volcano. Okay, did not this. Um, but I, I was thinking that they're um, just. I knowing that you're recording in your shed and they have like this whole garage because it's like their little sort of not little it's, it's like their their workshop I was just like I'm so jealous yeah I mean the, the set design was something I was just like I want that I want that garage like I want that little workshop space I think that the reason I wouldn't give it a five out of five was just because there were a few bits in it that I thought were just a, a bit predictable or a bit of a bit 
yeah a bit cliche yeah but that's just my personal preference but i but then you know obviously taking into consideration that it is made for a younger audience so that sometimes you might have to spell things out a bit more than you would in other films but i thoroughly enjoyed it and i and i it was a film i hadn't i hadn't heard of before me neither you know seen it anywhere and yeah it was a nice little discovery and and like i said it, it's not a light-hearted film at all but they 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 tackle it from these this, these children's perspective in a very like matter of fact kind of way. Like there are emotions and it is it is very real and in, in the story that it's telling. But the way that they're like, okay, so we're just going to do this, this, and this. We're going to go back mm-hmm. to this day, and that's that, you know. And and, and so that was that was it was it, it was it was well done. Yeah, definitely. What are your recommendations for this week off the back of these films? So my recommendation for thirteen is um, I Am Not Your Negro, based on the stories and the interviews by James Baldwin. And for See You Yesterday, I am recommending the newest Spike Lee film, which is coming out on the 12th of June uh, on Netflix. I've seen this, I'm excited. uh, The Five Bloods, and it's based on four uh, African-American veterans who want, who return to Vietnam, who are looking for the remains of their squad leader and also for a gold fortune that he helped them hide uh, during the Vietnam War. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that film. Can't wait. <laughs> what about you? What organizations do you have? So off the back of 13, uh, I wanted to recommend um, When They See Us, which is uh, the Netflix series um, directed by Ava DuVernay, based on the case of the Central Park Five, um, which occurred in 1989. And from yesterday, I wanted to recommend um, also a Netflix film um, called The Incredible Jessica James, which is a sort of Netflix gem which I stumbled across a few years ago, um, which I think isn't super well known, but definitely worth a watch. And it's starring Jessica Williams, who um, also stars in Dear White People, uh, and also stars Chris O'Dowd. So Jessica is a is a struggling playwright and also struggling with her her dating life, having broken up with her boyfriend. And it's just sort of that makes it sound very sort of rom-commy and it it is kind of a a rom-com but it's just got a bit more extra zest and Jessica James is such a fabulous protagonist um yeah I I just I really enjoyed the film and I think picking up on the slightly lighter elements as you yesterday it kind of it reminded me a little bit of this film yeah I'm really excited to watch it is honestly a treat of a film oh, I just I remember feeling so happy after I watched it because it's just it's just one of those I think especially now like sometimes you just need to have a film that's gonna boost you up and just you know boost your mood for a little while and and make you feel happy um because yeah need a bit of happiness at the moment yeah I agree and that's also a reason why I really enjoyed see you yesterday because it was just something a little bit different, but still with a strong message. Just as we come to the end of the podcast, rather than ending with a quote this week, we are going to be linking a list of 
10 films and a list of five series that sort of champion black creative voices um, and black people's stories in America and in the UK to I don't know, as a starting point if you're starting to educate yourself through films or, or just you know wanting some some films with some different perspectives yeah we'll be uploading those on Instagram and uh, we'll also be popping them in the bio on the anchor link and we'll let you know where you can find each of the films and the series to give them a watch exactly well I will see you next week Annabelle see you next week Morgan Wagner <laughs> cheese <laughs> cheese